Welcome to the official ABA Law Student Podcast, where we talk about issues that affect law students and recent grads. From finals and graduation to the bar exam and finding a job, this show is your trusted resource for the next big step. You're listening to the Legal Talk Network. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the ABA Law Student Division podcast. My name is Johnny Wynn, and I'm the national chair of the ABA's Law Student Division. And today, I'm incredibly excited to have Mr. Jason Dunn here, who is the U.S. Attorney of Colorado. So, Jason, let's just jump right into it. Could you tell us a little bit more about yourself, your professional background, and uh, then I'll ask you some about your personal background, too. Sure. Well, it's great to be with you. Um, I'm a Colorado native, grew up uh, for the most part in Colorado. I was the son of two public educators. My mom was a teacher and my dad was a school administrator, kind of grew up in the Denver metro area. And uh, my dad became a school superintendent up in Montana. So I went to high school in Bozeman, Montana, uh, which was great for my fly fishing skills. But uh, I missed Colorado and came back down to CU for for undergrad. After undergrad, I spent a couple of years in Boston trying to kind of figure out what I wanted to do. And I was actually working for a large investment bank out there, and I knew I had two things in mind. I wanted to get back to Colorado, and I wanted to do something in, in the public sector. And so I came back to Colorado, and I was working up at the state capitol during the day, and I was doing a master's in public administration at night at uh, CU. And um, that actually got me interested in law school. Uh, and so I decided to apply up to the law school in Boulder. And uh, as I graduated from my master's program, started up in Boulder and and then spent three years there and, and was trying to kind of figure out what kind of law I wanted to practice. I knew I wanted it to have, you know, some sort of public component. Um, I was very interested in public policy and public administration. So after graduation, I clerked for a year on the Colorado Supreme Court for now Chief Justice Coates, who's been a, a great mentor of mine. But then um, was kind of leaning towards actually prosecution, was interested in the Denver DA's office. They weren't hiring at the time. And so I kind of went into one of my other areas of interest, which was water law. You know, as uh, your listeners may not know, um, across the country, water law is a very important thing, not only in the Western United States, but particularly in Colorado. And we have our, really, it's, a, it's, it's kind of a unique Colorado thing because it's um, common law based primarily. And so water law in, the, in Colorado is a very Colorado thing. And, and so it was a fun area to kind of practice in. Um, and I did that for a couple of years and decided that, although it was fun, I, it was a little bit narrow. And so I went to a firm in Denver that did a lot of... Um, what I call public or political law, um, which is everything from constitutional issues to campaign finance law to administrative law. And so I was doing that, kind of litigating those issues when uh, another mentor of mine, John Southers, who had been U.S. attorney in Colorado at that time, was appointed by the governor of Colorado to fill um, the vacancy that had been created when Ken Salazar, our then attorney general, became U.S. senator. And so when John Southers was appointed to be the Attorney General of Colorado, he asked if I'd come over and help him run that office. And so I left private practice and went to the Attorney General's office as his deputy. And I did that for about three years. It was a great experience being involved in all the uh, kind of high-level important issues, legal issues that were coming up at the time in Colorado and working with two different uh, governors, Governor Owens and then Governor Ritter. It was a, a really fun experience and was kind of enjoying that. And then one day, um, 
uh, the founder of, of a law firm here in Denver, which is kind of a regional law firm, Brownstein Hyatt, called, Steve Farber called, and told me they were looking for somebody to kind of fill a niche that was sort of fit my practice and asked if I would be interested in coming over to the firm. And uh, I, I talked to them and wound up going over to the law firm where for about 10 years my practice was, again, what I call kind of a public law practice. It's kind of a it's a sort of a generic sounding name. So I, uh, it doesn't say it's not very descriptive, but it's sort of everything again from constitutional to administrative to campaign finance to uh, internal investigation, all those kind of things. And so did that for about 11 years and, and was a partner over there. And I uh, had kind of assumed I would stay there. And then um, when President Trump won the election and, and people started talking in the legal community in Denver about who would be the next U.S. attorney, People started asking me about it. Frankly, I hadn't been really thinking about it. And I started talking to people who, whose opinion I, I valued and, and who had been mentors of mine and said, do you think I should be interested in this job? And they said, if you think you have the opportunity, then you definitely should because it's a great opportunity. And so um, I thought about it more and more and eventually kind of threw my name in the ring for the job and things worked out well. And, and so uh, here I am. So it's been, uh, it'll be a year uh, in about three weeks that I, that I started this job. Awesome. Well, a lot of Coloradans are very glad you're here, especially at the Thank University you. of Colorado Law Community. They've uh, spoke very highly of you, so more reason to be excited to be here. So earlier you touched in on a lot about your work in the public and private sector, and right now a lot of law students across the country are on the fence of where they want to enter, or if they want to enter both in some capacity. Um, they're a little confused there. Right now in law school, student debt is a huge issue right now. However, a lot of students go to law school with this dying passion to serve the public. What would your advice be to law students who are on the fence right now between the public and the private sector? I would say a couple of things. Number one, I would say it's hard to be good at a job you don't love. So if you um, go into a job simply to make sure you can pay off your student loans, I don't think you're going to be very good at it. Mm-hmm. Now, I understand the financial realities people have, and sometimes you have to make those choices. I've known plenty of people. I actually clerked on the Colorado Supreme Court with a woman who was a graduate of Harvard Law School, and at that time graduated with, I can't remember the exact number, but I want to say it was like $180,000 worth of debt uh, from law school, which today maybe isn't as much as some other people have. But she uh, clerked for a year and then was going to a big law firm um, for financial reasons when she actually wanted to do something in public service. And she was actually going to be featured on an um, episode of Oprah because Oprah was doing a show on um, young people who were having to take jobs that didn't necessarily – wasn't their first choice because of student loan debt. And this was now – I have to do the math on when I graduated, but it's close to 20 years ago uh, when I was clerking. And so, you know, I think people get in those financial realities. But – um, you know, there's nothing like public service. The reward, obviously, is the, is the work itself. And it's a lot easier to work hard at something when you're enjoying it. As my father-in-law, who's an Italian immigrant, often says, it's not a job if you love what you're doing. And uh, it's just something you enjoy doing and, and contributing. So um, I've, I've loved my chance to be in the public service, whether it was the, at the state level with the AG's office or here. I mean, the other advice I give to young either practicing lawyers or law students, is to, um, I think there are a couple of things that, that really, at least for me and I think for other people, lend towards a successful career. Number one is finding good mentors. I've been really lucky and fortunate in my career to, to be able to have great mentors, whether it was professors in law school um, up at the University of Colorado, whether it was people I worked for right after law school, um, lawyers, partners at firms who who would take the time to show me how to do things the right way and to talk about how to practice law and not only 
the nuts and bolts of practicing, but how you carry yourself, how you deal with opposing counsel, how you deal with the court. And I think um, the only way to become a good lawyer is to have good mentors. The other thing that's important in, in that, in mentorship, is that wherever I think young people wind up, they have to find somebody in the organizations who's willing to be their champion. You have to find somebody who will say, I'm going to mentor you, um, and if you do great work, I will help your career advance. And they will go to bat for you with their superiors. They will make sure you get in a position to be noticed within the organization and recognized for the quality work you're doing. It starts with the quality work, but um, once you're doing the quality work, it makes a huge difference if you have somebody who's willing to champion your cause within the organization. And the third thing I would say is lean in. That's usually a phrase that's used, um, you know, in another context, but I would use it more universally and say it's. I, I encourage everybody to put themselves in difficult situations, take on more than they're sure they can handle, not just in terms of workload, but types of cases. I remember the first time, you know, I wound up in a trial. I thought, what did I get myself into? I took on a big case and uh, I wasn't sure I was actually qualified to be doing it, but it worked out fine. But uh, I was I was very nervous and uh, I, I encourage people just to push themselves, you know, maybe what they think is a little bit beyond their their boundaries, because I think it's a great way to learn. It's a great way to just get experience. That's great. You you mentioned a lot and put a lot of emphasis on the importance of mentors. What was some of the biggest advice that changed your life and your career uh, that came from a mentor of yours? Yeah. I mean, John, like I said, John Southers, who was the U.S. attorney and then the attorney general of Colorado and now is the mayor of Colorado Springs, uh, his hometown where he wanted to go, uh, I think sort of serve towards the end of his career. Uh, you know, he he always carried himself with integrity in class and tried to be thoughtful and educated as he made decisions, um, both as a lawyer and as a manager, very even tempered. One of the things that I remember the advice, he said that, you know, as a, as a public official in a legal position, he said, one of the great things about my job versus other public officials is that I get to hide behind the law. So when you're getting pressure to come out a certain way on a case or on a, a decision as, in a, as a legal manager, is it's, it sure makes it a lot easier to say, sorry, I'd love to help you, but the law is the law. And when you can fall back on the law, then it makes, it makes some of those difficult decisions a lot easier. But, you know, I think it was advice about how to deal with opposing counsel and that um, – or just others in the legal community that you're, you know, it's it's so it's so difficult to build a great reputation, um, but it's very easy to ruin it. And um, one mistake, one blow up at opposing counsel, or blow up at court, or showing up in court one time unprepared, you know, can have damaging effect to a person's career and reputation. And so, you know, I I think from him I took that, and from others such as Justice Coates, who I clerked for. Um, was just to do quality legal work, um, to put in the time to do things the right way, to 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 really work at particularly legal writing. Um, to you know, it just it's just a some people probably do it better than I do, but for me it was always um, a chore to write well. But it took just you know rewriting and rewriting and drafts and putting it down for a while and coming back to it and just working hard at really creating a good work product. And I'm, I'm glad you hit on the um, issue of making a mistake and how might that affect your career. But just as humans, even though we're going to be lawyers, we're, we're still definitely going to make mistakes, no doubt. And so I, I was wondering if you would open, because a lot of students I think would really appreciate hearing this from you, if you ever made a mistake when you were in law school or earlier on in your career that really reflected and resonated with you that, and how you came to stand back up after that mistake and what lessons you took out of it. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, I can think about one situation where I was the deputy attorney general. I'd just come in with the attorney general. 
I was only about a fifth or sixth year practicing lawyer at the time. And um, we had a case, uh, it was actually a water law case down in the San Luis Valley of Colorado, which for people from not from Colorado is a couple hundred miles from Denver. And it's a pretty rural part of the state, but a big water law case that was going on. It was actually in, in court for like a, I think a four week trial. And our lawyers in our office and the attorney general's office were representing the, the state on that case. And the other, the lawyers on the other side were actually lawyers from my old firm. And they were all down there staying at some rundown motel, uh, you know, that both sides were staying in, in this small town in the middle of nowhere doing this trial day to day. And they were having some challenges and, and the lawyers from the other side called me and said, Hey, we're having trouble with your, your lawyers, um, on this issue. And, um, would you be willing to, to help and to essentially intervene and, you know, drive the outcome they were kind of hoping for. I viewed that, um, not, I wasn't trying to think of it in a way to help out my old colleagues or do some favor for them, but rather I viewed myself as trying to resolve a situation that seemed intractable between the two sides to help the case move forward and help them reach resolution. And so I um, sort of talked to the attorney general and I reached out to the lawyers and I think, you know, it bristled the lawyers who were on the line fighting the trial and they viewed it as uh, perhaps me undermining their case. And that was not my intention at all. And so we also had outside counsel on that case who was helping a, a longtime water law expert in the state. And so um, I thought about it and I thought they were probably right and I probably should have just stayed out of it. And so I had to call both our outside counsel, who was a well-established lawyer in town, um, as well as the line attorneys in our office and 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 explain to them that I meant no ill intention and that I was trying to help them um, move the case forward in the best way for all the parties and that it probably would have been best for me. So I, you know, I think the lesson in that was a, you have to, a, you have to kind of remember who your client is. Um, but B was that if you make a mistake, just to kind of own up to it and, um, you know, be candid about it. And a lot of times when you have someone who's, who's upset about something you might've done, you know, by sort of owning up and talking to them and, and apologizing, it seems to deescalate a situation a long way. And, and it worked out for the best in the long run, but uh, rather than sort of try and explain it or justify it, it was simply just say, Hey, I'm sorry. I apologize for, for getting in the middle of your case and um, you know, it won't happen again. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that with us. I think it's an important lesson for all of us as law students and young lawyers to, to really get that down. Uh, if you make a mistake, just own it and then just move forward. And yep. That's an important piece of it. To those mistakes, you know, uh, and I'm speaking from my own experience, but I've made a lot of mistakes now just early, just finishing one year of law school. I could have a tendency to go down this kind of dark spiral of just, just sitting on that mistake for a while and getting really uh, sad about it. And, and it, it hinders on my education and my ability to grow because you sit on that, that just beating yourself up so much. And so I was wondering if you could share advice for law students who I assume most of us have gone to that little dark spot in our life or during our career. And how did you get yourself out of it and how did you move forward? Yeah, I think we've all been there. And I, I think one of the important things that I've learned is that time makes a huge difference on how you view mistakes and problems and where I've sort of told myself and I try to tell other people when something happens, a big mistake and they're very upset about something, I've tried to tell myself, this will look very different a month from now. Um, this will look very different six months from now. Uh, try not to beat yourself up too much in the immediate. It's gonna, you're going to if you make a mistake, but allow yourself to also realize with time comes perspective and things may not be as bad as they seem, you know, if you just give it a little time to um, get in the rearview mirror. That's a really important topic for me because uh, the ABA Law Student Division, a big priority that we unanimously decided on was addressing mental health and wellness issues with law students and young lawyers. 
And so right now we're working with the Commission on Lawyer Assistance Programs for a national fundraising effort and a national outreach effort to really raise awareness about the mental health issues that, that sit in the, the legal profession. Um, what do you do to when you're when you're tired or when you're stressed out or when you have those those moments where you're just you just really need to get away from the law? What do you do? Yeah. Well, I live in Colorado, right? So I do a lot of outdoor stuff. I I, I mountain bike, I fly fish, I ski, I golf. So um, there's plenty of, of distractions here in Colorado, maybe too many. Um, but uh, I have a great wife and two kids who love to do all those activities too. So I certainly try and make sure I, I get away from, from work and put things down and, and uh, try and do some of those fun things just to kind of decompress a little bit. Awesome. That's great. So I have one last and final most important question for you. If you die today, reincarnated into any animal, what animal would you <laughs> hope to be and why? Uh, that's a great question. It reminds me of the first job interview I had when uh, it was the summer right after I graduated college and I was uh, trying to kill some time before I went actually on a graduate um, to a graduate course over in London for a month in the, late in the summer. And so I had to find a job for the summer. And I interviewed to be a waiter at a restaurant in a hotel. And, and the manager of the hotel was my last interview. And he said, if you could be any animal in the world, what would you be? And because I had a golden retriever dog at the time, I said golden retriever. I've always regretted that answer um, <laughs> because it's just pretty lame, um, right, to say golden retriever. So, you know, I won't answer it, it with golden retriever. It's but, your redemption point right here. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's a... Maybe it, it's a it's a it's a bald eagle or something like that. You know, because they can they get an opportunity to actually see some cool stuff and fly around, right? And the best part is when they they go fish, they get to go fly fishing, right? So uh, <laughs> they get to dive in the river. I just came off the river the last two days, so uh, and I saw a little bit of that. So I thought that would be a pretty cool life. So maybe that's, that's the funny. answer. <laughs> your uh, your assistant before this interview asked uh, uh, what the fun question was going to be at the end, uh, and that was it. I shared it with her, and she said he's going to say something lame like a bald eagle. <laughs> <laughs> Did she say that? Yeah. See, it's probably not much better. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know what I would say. Um, no, that's yeah. a, it's perfect. Because I, I have a new puppy at home too, oh, who's a who's a golden doodle. So, oh. and he is destroying a lot of things and and chewing on us constantly. So, um, he's ruined me it for me to say golden retriever right now. Awesome. <laughs> well, Mr. Don, I really appreciate your time. It's a it's certainly been a pleasure and a real joy for me and a, a good distraction from my study. So, <laughs> I was yeah, happy about yeah, I it. Bet. Well, to our audience members, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the ABA Law Student Podcast. I'd like to invite you to subscribe to the ABA Law Student Podcast on iTunes, Google Podcast, or your favorite podcasting app. You can also reach out to us on Facebook at ABA for Law Students and at ABA Law Student Division on Twitter. Uh, again, I'm Johnny Wynn. Thank you for tuning in and have a great day. If you'd like more information about what you've heard today, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. Subscribe via iTunes and RSS, find us on Twitter and Facebook, or download our free Legal Talk Network app in Google Play and iTunes. Remember, U.S. law students at ABA-accredited schools can join the ABA for free. Join now at AmericanBar.org forward slash law student. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.